It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everyone. That Williams guy here for yet another episode and joining us tonight for, I believe, what is his first appearance on this show, although we've both been on the primary and secondary show numerous times together, is Warren Wilson from the great state of Oklahoma. How are you doing, Warren? I'm doing good, Lee. How about you? I guess I'm, I'm making I do have some bad news for you, though. Uh-oh. You have been fired as my spokesmodel in my area. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, uh, I found got a really good picture from an event here recently, and I I, I put it up in your place. And I'm sorry, you just weren't selling tickets for. I, I get it, I get it. I don't know why you did it in the first place. Really. And, and, and it's all about the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell everyone who you are. Hey, I'm Warren Wilson. I'm a firearms instructor from Oklahoma. I've been in law enforcement for about 26 years. I've been teaching since about 2015. I'm a range master certified instructor, uh, Oklahoma Cleet instructor, and a perpetual addicted student, unfortunately, from my credit card. Uh, we should probably explain to the audience that Cleet is Council on Law Enforcement Education and Training, which is similar to post peace officer right. standard and training in many other states. Yep. Now, my understanding from, from the process of speaking with Brian Eastridge about it is that Oklahoma's Cleet firearms instructor program is pretty hard on the shooting standards yeah they don't uh we back down our patrol course from 50 yards to 25 yards or our i'm sorry our uh qualification course for 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 officers but the the instructor program is still what it was before and it is about a 50 50 washout rate in in the second phase the first phase you got to shoot a 480 on the ppc the old-fashioned style, no thumb cocking, uh, actually shooting left-handed, doing the positions, and then um, a 540 in phase two. So you get that first two days to shoot a 480 and the next three days to shoot the 540, and if you don't, you pack your bags. Can you explain to your to the audience what you mean by the, by the positions? Well, the um, in PPC and the police, a practical police pistol, whatever, competition which i never actually shot before then <laughs> they uh you have to shoot you know you shoot standing shoot barricades which we use four by four posts to stimulate barricades which we found out not everybody knows or at least i did the hard way in your class and then <laughs> we have to shoot that same thing uh, from the weak side with the weak hand and we shoot kneeling different kind of kneelings and then a sitting position that looks like the most uncomfortable thing in the world but it's actually pretty comfortable once you get used to it it's a very solid position and then we even do prone so none of that has been well i will say none of that when i did the fbi firearms instructor class we had to shoot the old uh pre-2013 fbi course and it had some prone shooting in it and it had kneeling on both and standing on both sides of the barricade and the old, the Alabama post course may still have that. We had to shoot it because we were in Alabama. And so we had to do that for a standard for all the Alabama officers. And it's a completely different animal than just standing there shooting. It very much is. I, the, I always teach the new, the new kids. I always teach them the golf grip 
for the prone and at least give them that option because a lot of folks just can't get their head down there and that gets it up and it's a really it's a really good grip it's a good tool to have and we teach them in the academy but they don't have to actually do it for a qualification it's just for orientation and then after that you got to shoot 90 on everything including our old course which was the 50 yard course so if you miss both of your 50s you, you can't miss any of your 25s are in so it was the old course was 40 percent from 25 and 50 40 percent of your score so you couldn't pass it you couldn't shoot it at any kind of distance the new one's a little bit more lenient okay yeah our, our state course is down to 30 rounds now and you only got four the, you got four at the 25 and four at the 15 and everything else is from the seven and the three and there's one stage that the hardest thing about it is remembering everything that they want you to do the actual shooting's not that hard, but remembering to do everything in the exact sequence. Well, that's a good thing, too, I guess. Um, uh, it makes no ours, sense. Whatsoever. You can miss everything at 25 and miss one at 15 and still qualify. Yeah. So on the new one. And there's a lot yeah. of folks that struggle with it. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. Because on ours, you got to have 240 points to qualify. And there's 220 points at the three and the seven which just means you've got to get 20 more points from the 15 or the 25 and there's 80 points available to you at those. So yeah, I don't get it either, but uh, it's a thing apparently. And probably what it is, is is shooters that have phobias. Well, that's something we can talk about if you'd like. I hope so, because that was the whole point of the episode that one wanted to talk about, coaching phobic shooters. So first thing we should probably define, what are phobic shooters? Uh, I would say anybody who has a phobia of firearms or shooting and or shooting would qualify in my book as, as a phobic shooter. Uh, I don't know if I really created that term or if other people have talked about it, but we come across a lot of people who are afraid of guns and come to class because they either want desperately to overcome that fear or they want to use a firearm for self-protection because they're afraid of the way things have been going the last several years. And I get quite a few of those in class. Um, A lot of them older, some of them quite a bit younger, male, female, it comes in all, all shapes and sizes. And so I decided um, that I want to do a deep dive on that and learn as much as I could about teaching people who had phobias and try to help them get over it, try to give them the, you know, the permission to be afraid, but the tools to get over it, the tools to get on top of it and control it. And what kind of motivated me to do that was that I'm afraid of cameras and public speaking. (laughs) Terribly afraid. (laughs) What is one of your duties there at the police department? Yep. (laughs) I wanted to get over it because I wanted to be a firearms instructor. So I didn't get I didn't get to brave enough to do it until I was in my 40s. And I was going um, sending my daughter to one of Lens classes at the time. She was doing a lot of the ladies ladies classes on the Sunday, and on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tom would do his instructor class. We're talking about Tom and Lynn Gibbons. Gibbons. Yep, Tom and Lynn Gibbons, and. Um, so Lynn said, ah, my daughter was only 16, so she wanted to talk to me about what her experience was and how her safety was and whether we're going to let her use a holster. And you know how Lynn is so, it's just magic. You know, she's just so persuasive. Next thing I know, I'm on the computer, signed up to go to the instructor class. And I'm not even sure how it happened. I still don't know. But it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. Uh, because, and, but it was, it was nerve-wracking because I had to, you know, you got to make the PowerPoint. You have to do the teach back. Uh-huh. And I wanted to review it for police marksmen at the time as well. 
And so here I'm going to Tom Givens' class, who used to do that, he used to review classes, and one of the you know best instructors in the country, no doubt, and then do a teach back and all that kind of stuff and not, you know, wet myself in front of people. So <laughs> I didn't, by the way, that anybody could tell. But uh it was uh it was just a great experience. And I thought, you know, when I have these people come to classes, and my very first experience with a phobic shooter was a lady who I, I I put her on the far right because she was having some safety issues. So I wanted her on the right side because she kept turning to the right. Well, that was a mistake because I didn't pick up on the phobia. She got hit with a piece of brass, thought she'd been shot. So you can imagine how um, she's never been back to the range. I'm still here once in a while and work on her, but that had an effect on me. That was my fault. I failed in not knowing that, not knowing how to recognize that and how to help people with that. So, um, like I say, kind of start doing a deep dive into it. Yeah, we, Warren is the public information officer for his agency, and that was our our little chuckle there about his fear of public speaking and cameras. I'm not, so. I'm not supposed to be the PIO, but I keep getting stuck in front of the cameras, so I'm I'm supposed to be the assistant PIO. But uh, when when CNN was down last week, I looked around; and it was me. <laughs> so, I have two deep rooted phobias. I will admit to one of them. I will never, ever publicly admit to the other because I work with cops and I will be exposed to this phobia every single day. But uh, the one I will publicly admit to is, is a fear of heights. Mm-hmm. And it particularly manifests itself on bridges. Really? Uh, if the bridge is flat, I'm fine. But if it's one of those bridges that humps and goes way up high over Oh, yeah. in the middle to the point that if I am traveling, uh, I will get on YouTube and and Google and I will go all along the route and look for any big rivers and stuff that I cross. And then I will get on YouTube and look at videos of people crossing the bridge to decide what my routes are. So it's a good thing you lived on that side of Memphis, huh? Yeah, well, I actually went across that bridge a week before they found um, found the, the crack in the, uh, the I-40 bridge. And part of my uh, phobia comes from a trip to Oklahoma when I was two years old and crossing the bridge on 72, but we won't need to get into that whole story. But uh, I went to Indiana and back this past weekend, and I, my father would be so upset at me that I took a route that was 25 minutes longer because I liked the bridge that I crossed the Ohio River on better than the other one that was available to me. <laughs> my father used to have a little green notebook with a pencil and he would figure miles per gallon and everything on a trip and you had to take this trip by the shortest miles and uh <laughs> and, nope i'm all about that youtube of watching that bridge to go across it yeah so, your stomach lining is more important than a couple bucks oh yeah all right so what different phobias have you identified in shooters mostly um that it's an I mean, the actual phobia of it's magic and it's going to do something on its own. They, they really, they really, I mean, they don't rationally think that just like you don't really think the bridge is going to fall out from under you. I don't think the camera is going to bite me. I don't think, you know, anybody in the audience is going to attack me, but you know, as a brother Hearn has taught us, we, that kind of stress is, is equal to real life stress and it's, it's not fun. And then of course there is people who are just afraid of what a gun can do and, that's probably pretty rational. I had a gentleman that was a military from Eastern Europe come take one of the classes because he was one of the guys that would hold up the targets down in that 
down in that bay down there by the by the or in the uh, in that trench and the bullets going through there he was thinking about how that what that would be like going through a person and it bothered him a lot so he kind of came to class to to kind of help work that out and he decided he wasn't going to carry a gun after that which i think is great so yeah, yeah. basically just you know a little more rational and then a little bit of uh actual irrational fears do you find that most of it stems from a lack of knowledge of the guns almost certainly and that's the number one point the number one point is the is getting that familiarity and letting them understand exactly what has to happen for a gun to discharge and the fact that giving them the control making them understand they have the control so yeah absolutely so once they go through the class, do you typically see that their phobias disappear? No, unfortunately, they don't really disappear. Uh, I still got a little little uh, butterfly in my stomach every time I get in front of the camera to talk to somebody. And uh, it's it's always going to be a little bit there, but you get to the point where you can do it. I've got several students who are, I can't tell. They, they tell me after class, man, I was so nervous. And I'm like, well, you, you didn't show it. You seem like you're really on top of it. You were safe. You know, but up front, they don't have those techniques that it takes for them to get over things like that, for them to be able to get on top of it themselves. Do the students typically tell you that they have such a phobia, or is it something you picked up on as an instructor? It's pretty rare. I've got one uh, lady that I work with who's uh, non-sworn, and she is not. she was not afraid to tell me she's afraid of guns. She was not afraid at all. So I, even at one point in the middle, I says, anybody still having some, some nerves about this? She goes, I'm afraid, but that's not always, that's not always, um, they're not always going to have the, they're not always going to want to tell you that it's embarrassing. You know, just like, you know, that if you give up the one phobia, you're going to be dealing with it at work. I guarantee I know what it is too. We're going to talk offline, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to admit it. Cause you're a cop and you would be honor bound. <laughs> I would be, wouldn't I? Yes, you would be. Uh, that's true. And but I would yeah. expect no less of you. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just like it's just like when you're talking to her and people keep being nice to him. Like, don't do that. He doesn't understand that. That's right. <laughs> he, he must. He probably thinks you hate him for being nice to him. But um, no, uh, I try to find out though. And instead of you know, if I can pick it up in the classroom, that's great. And a lot of times I can. Just with the dummy guns, if somebody's got a real phobia, even just the, the little plastic dummy guns that aren't real, those will you'll you'll see the person not wanting to pick it up and touch it, or they'll they'll even have their hands shaking when they're picking it up. And you'll pick up on all those stress indicators that we're used to seeing out of people, a little bit of sweat in the forehead and like that. And that's great if I can pick up on it beforehand. And then sometimes that's just nerves of being in front of people and being afraid of of, of uh, being embarrassed. And that's one of the biggest fears people have about you know, in life in general. But what I'll do is I want to find out before we start shooting. So I don't want somebody to find out that brass comes out of a gun by hitting them and, and scare them off of guns forever. Cause that's, that's something that scarred me for a while. <laughs> still upset about it. I still want to fix it. So what I will do is um, I'll actually shoot. I'll actually demonstrate in front of them and just so they see it and hear it and feel it, especially if we're in the inside range and I'll try to get them to do the, the muffs and the and the little uh, uh, earplugs as well to kind of keep the noise down a little bit but then um i actually wrote an article about that lady i was telling you about at one point and i think i wrote 
or two on phobic shooters. And I really felt pretty good about how things were going with it. And then I got a call from George Harris. And if, uh, for those who don't know who George Harris is, he's, if you've heard of the wall drill, uh, you can thank George Harris for that. When he was in the uh, army, he kind of came up with that. He's also the co-founder of the SIG Academy, I believe, or at least one of the first ones there. So he's a real squared away guy. So when George Harris calls, um, I listened to him real carefully. And he had a couple techniques for me. And I, I really, that's the main reason I wanted to do this is I wanted to share his techniques. And one thing I stole from Tatiana Whitlock on, on how to, how to, how to kind of do that. So the first one is that noise inoculation. You have to, after you've demoed a little bit and then you've seen them, you're watching them. And if they're jumping while their eyes are open, you wait until you shoot enough times, no matter what it is, make something up. I want to shoot a little bit tighter circle on that one. Shoot again. And then if you or your AI or whoever's watching, see if they're still literally jumping, like the amygdala is like, a, you know, if they're actually still jumping from it. Or if someone will start, will get, bring their hands in, you know, the, all those fear responses that you've seen or their arms to their side or they'll bring their feet together, trying to become real small. That's one of the things that we're looking for. After, after we do that and nobody's jumping anymore, I'll have them close their eyes. And the first thing, the first clue that I've picked up on is some people don't want to close their eyes. So I'll explain to them what I'm going to do. I'm going to shoot, and I want you to hear the pop. And George said it was terribly important to say pop instead of bang, because pop is a much more, less, you know, much more innocuous word than would be you know, bang or kaboom or whatever. And so he said, you know, have them hear the pop, but you'll watch. And the last one to close their eyes is probably the one that's the most phobic or maybe just didn't trust you. I don't know, <laughs> but I try to establish that trust in the classroom. So hopefully that's not it. So uh, we try to be positive about it. And we say, okay, now I want you to listen to that pop. Just close your eyes, feel that pop. Now that's when you're looking for the people that are jumping and you can blatantly look for it because you can shoot at the, shoot at the berm and, and look real carefully at your folks. If nobody's jumping after two or three shots you're probably in pretty good shape you probably don't have any anybody who's truly phobic but if they're still after five or ten shots you're going to want to pay that person a little bit more attention and maybe even offer a little bit more free training afterwards i'll, I'll generally do that because i don't i can't live with somebody getting out there and, and being phobic anymore i don't want to see that happen again so i'll tell them just listen for the pop is it really that loud and then talk to them about how would you describe that would you describe it as a pop and say, yeah it really is just a pop and then I'll ask them to, okay, now watch me shoot. And this is a, important to have a really good grip and, and stance and all that cool stuff. Have them watch and have them look at the slide and say, okay, is it really, how far is that sight actually lifting up? How far is the gun pushing me back? Is it, is it pushing me? How, you know, and just use the word push instead of, use the word push and lifting instead of recoil. Because recoil is not an innocuous word, right? So then if that's going pretty well, and again, this is all from George, I do the, the touch inoculation where we have them shoot a little bit and watch the sights lift. And, I, and while we're doing it, I'm telling them lift, you know, listen to the pop, feel the, feel the pop, embrace the pop. You control that pop. Whose pop is that? That's your pop. That's your push. And then I'll have them do it with their eyes closed even. How much is it? And obviously this is something you don't ever do this without one-on-one -on -one instruction obviously but you're going to be right there and have them feel the pop and listen to the pop and embrace it and just keep 
using those terms. And I'm stunned at how well that has worked so far. I'm absolutely stunned at how, how well that has worked so far. And then another one um, I stole from Whitlock, uh, Tatiana Whitlock. Now, see, she, when you said the first in the pre-show, uh, one that you stole from Whitlock, I was thinking Karen. But so, no. so in this instance, Tatiana is the other Whitlock. The other Whitlock in, in this case, right. Right. So Karen will appreciate that when she hears this. She, she's our she's our first Whitlock this this episode. That's right. She should be just as famous as Tatiana. That's right. Easily. So um, anyway, Tatiana Whitlock has this thing she does with AR-15s for for newer students when she's a, a concerned that they're going to be afraid of them because of the media coverage and all that. And I, I only got this from one of her videos. I don't I don't know Tatiana, so thanks, thank you, ma'am, <laughs> for your for your tip. But I got it from one of her videos. She will take an, all their AR-15s, all the students' AR-15s apart, and then she will take and have them put them together in class. So, A, they know how it works, and B, they've kind of deconstructed the fear. And I thought, that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to steal that for handguns. And when I go back in the classroom after we figured out, doing a couple of demos, after we figured out where, where people are on the phobia scale, I'll take their gun, and I never use real guns in class except on this one occasion. I never let the students use real guns ever for obvious reasons. Anyway, in, the cl- in the classroom. In the classroom. Never in the classroom. I just, I don't, I know some people do, and I'm not going to throw rocks at anybody. I do not. We use dummy guns. But in this case, I will take that person's pistol apart. And um, I might say something like, yeah, I've only got so many of these dummy guns. Well, use, use your frame of your gun. And we'll have them use the frame of their gun. And I'll take the rest of the parts and just take them with me up to the front of the classroom. And as I do some more lecturing and talking, I try to keep track of time and I'll eventually go over and drop each part in front of them and watch their reaction to it. And then as we get ready to go back out and shoot, I'll put their pistol back together for them, say thank you for letting me do that, and then put it in their box for them and kind of be engaging their reactions the whole time. And I'll tell you, doing doing those things in, in a, in a two, two-phase class if I do all those things together, I can get somebody to where they will load their own gun and, and not be shaken by the time they're done with that day. And just and it takes pretty much the whole day to get them there with those steps. But so far, it's worked. And I know there's somebody out there that's got more stuff. And that's another reason I want to do this, because I want somebody else to call or email <laughs> or whatever and give me some more good stuff like steal. And hopefully somebody can steal this and get some use out of it, too. Cool. Do you do anything... Uh... Like when they fire their first round, where they only load their gun with one round, that way if you have a fear reaction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody starts out with one round, and we only shoot one person at a time when, we, when I start on my beginner classes. I've got a, 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 what I call a phase or a level one, two, and three. I don't call them phases. Because sometimes somebody wants to jump right to the three, and then I can prove they were wrong, and they'll go back to one. But one is just all about safety really safety and 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 in the back of my mind i'm thinking phobia and trying to recognize those students for later on and i've got one um i got one lady that i'm dying to be get her to become an instructor because she's gone so far with it and uh, just from those steps so we but yeah we only shoot one round at a time and if we get to where everybody's doing really well with their safety i mean like 100 percent, not even questioning their safety well, i might let them all shoot at once even if I've got you know enough help there, but 
you know, I kind of do one to four, one start instructor to four students. If I've got an AI there, we might do a little bit more, but if I'm not comfortable with one person, then we're shooting one round at a time until, and one person at a time for the, for the, for the rest of the day. But sometimes it'll be really good in that phase or that level one, we'll get up to where we're shooting four or five rounds together. And that's where we can break in uh, George's five and five drill. We've always, we've heard about the five and one drill that would be used for flinching. Uh, he says do five and five. And I tried doing that on the police range and I found that to work better too. And I explain, wish I could remember. Yeah. The, the explain five and one is you shoot, you dry fire um, five times and you fire once. You load and you fire the one time. Well, there's a there's a there's a disconnect there between your dry fire and your actual loading, and so your brain goes right back to flinch time. It's going to go off. I better grab onto it. And so one of the methods that he recommended was doing a five and five drill, where you're doing five presses, then you're loading, and you'll notice that the first one might be a flinch, but you get in the second and third ones, and they're generally not. And then sometimes you're right back to it on four and five, and it's kind of a good kind of a good scale there. I, I haven't had a lot of success with five and ones, but I've had some more success with five and fives. And it's the same kind of thing. It's just a, it's just a fear reaction. You know, your body thinks you're being chased by a dinosaur or something and he doesn't know the difference. That little caveman that lives inside of us doesn't understand the difference between those fears. Yeah. I don't get to teach a lot of brand new shooters. Uh, just you know, Georgia did not have a training requirement along with this weapons licensing uh, procedure. And then this year we even did away with the, the weapons license requirement in the, in the most recent legislative session. And so I didn't have that built in clientele. And then I wasn't attached to a gun store or anything either where I was getting fed those. So yes. most, most of the people that I see outside of the agency training are people who are seeking me out versus they're looking for a state mandated class to take. And so, as such, I, like I said, I don't get to see a lot of the brand new, this is where the bullet comes out of. Uh, I did have the opportunity to go watch one of Brian Hill's classes, which was basically his intro class. And the very first time he had the student shoot, they loaded their firearm with only one round. And it wasn't like they were just shooting one round at a time. They only had one round in the gun. Right. So that when there was any kind of fear response to that round going off, their gun was not loaded after that. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly why that. And sometimes you'll get that yippee reaction that can be just as dangerous for the other students. It's like, look what I did. Woo. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Or you get the frustration reaction where the, Oh, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we, we, we'll do the one round at a time all day long. And then if somebody's slide doesn't go back, it's, it's funny. You, you met um, a couple of my instructor protégés. If, if the slide doesn't go back, doesn't lock back, then we're concerned we missed something. Maybe they had another round in there, which I can't imagine doing because I, I stand there and watch them. Usually it's just a limp wrist or something that didn't, didn't go all the way back. But if you'll, you'll see either one of those ladies will react when a slide when it doesn't get locked back. They're jumping on it. Oh, let's look at that. See what's wrong with it. <laughs> Make sure. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the only way to fly with a new shooter. Only way. What are the most extreme manifestations of the phobia that you've seen, or phobias, where somebody just really shuts down their safety, uh, but just can't think about anything but that, and anything you tell them, they're going to turn and look at you. I mean, just physical shaking, 
uh, tears. I've definitely seen tears before of, of, of fear. Seen some tears of joy, too, from those same folks later on down the road. But those are folks, a lot of times, once you identify them, if they can get through the class, okay, that's great, safely. I encourage them to do that because you're just going to inoculate into that fear a little bit and kind of get them get them squared away. If you can't, I will um, occasionally I'll have somebody say, "Let's have you work dry from now on because that's going to help your flinch." Let's say, uh-huh. and they know what's going on, but I want to embarrass somebody in front of somebody else in front of other people. So I'll have them work dry, and then if they're still not safe, even working dry, then I'll I'll, I'll tell them. Just can we, can we set up a, a date later on and just you and me will come out and we'll just work together. And I won't charge you for it. And then you can kind of get back into school and, and, and go into schools with me. So, yeah, it can, it can get a little scary. Yeah, we do occasionally do a, a free class for our citizens through the, through the sheriff's office. And we had a lady come to one of those that uh, when it came time for the live fire section, got extremely emotional. And had lots of tears, and I just kind of talked with her uh, briefly. Said, "You don't have to do this. If you yes. want to, this is completely up to you. But if you want to, you know, if you want to continue through with the with the shooting, then we'll help you. If you decide that you just want to stand back and watch, that's fine. And if you decide you want to leave, that's fine. And that's that's a really good point that I I wish I would have brought up. Yeah, I always tell them this is all you." You, you, you're in control. You decide what you want to do. Nobody's going to laugh and point at you. Nobody's going to say anything to you. We want you to be successful with this. We don't want you to be stressed out. So yeah, it's completely up to you what you, what you want us to do. And remember that I work for you. And I, I, I hate it when students apologize to me. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to do that. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. I work for you. And that tends to, that tends to help a little bit too. Good point. Thanks. And what we did with her was we did the double plug. You know, we put the plugs on with the muffs over the top of it and just helped her work through. And, and for her first few shots, the tears were really, really going. And she was determined that she was going to make it through it. And then by the end of the day, she's smiling and running a whole magazine through her gun. Yep. And uh, it's like she conquered it. Um, and, you know, it was just that when it came down to that moment of this is when she's going to shoot, that's when it really manifests itself. And we can say, well, I don't understand that. Well, okay. I'm sure there's people that understand why I'm, don't understand why I'm scared of really tall, humpy bridges. <laughs> <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. So, yeah, and so empathy becomes a thing, right? Yeah. It turns out you got to have some empathy to be a decent instructor. Yeah, yeah and man. one other thing I would mention about that is um, that's when I'll get a little, little more peer pressure. When they've overcome something, I'll get a little more peer pressure and say, okay, you need to go out and shoot more. Even if it's two or three rounds tomorrow, the next day, a couple days after that, keep going because this will come back. Think of it like an antibiotic. You've, you've gotten over the infection right now. You don't stop taking the antibiotics until they're completely done. So let's keep shooting and space those out kind of like a spaced repetition of uh, some rote learning that you're trying to do. Like you might go tomorrow and then you might go two days later, you might go four days later, just shoot a few rounds, just stay on top of it. Don't put it in the safe and forget about it because it's going to come back. Uh, if you, if you do that. Two days ago, uh, my phone rings and it's Ryan McCann. I think, I think you probably know Ryan. Yeah. I know um, Evan. Yeah. Ryan works at a range uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 
And he called and he said, I just had an experience I've never had on the ranch. And he tells me about it really quick. He said he was working with a student and she got ready to shoot. And she said, would you, she looked at him and said, would you put your hand on my back? And he said, why? <laughs> She's like, she said, because I'm scared and I need you for you to put your hand on my back while I do this and I'll be okay. And he puts his hand on her back and she makes it through it and she was fine. <laughs> and that's something we usually the opposite. We usually yeah. ask permission to touch hands. Right. Okay, okay, I mean, I'm going to need to touch your hands. It's okay if I touch your hands or I'm going to put my hand on your back, on your shoulder. Right. But yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Or the student asked him, said, hey, I'm scared. Would you do this to help reassure me while, while I shoot? And something else uh, that, that's kind of on that line if you do beginner shooters, <laughs> you'll, you'll see this when the, the wife comes to the class with the girlfriend and she was oh. encouraged to come by the boyfriend slash husband. And he doesn't, he wants to help and she doesn't think he's helping, which he's not. He's just making her mad. <laughs> and so we don't like to see that. Huh. One time I had a lady who's, who was phobic about handguns, but her husband had bought her an AR-15 like 10 years ago like 10 years prior and she struggled with handguns and she's not, not a, not a kid. She's about seven years old, just learning how to shoot. We got her in an AR class and I thought this is going to go terrible because not only has she struggled with phobia before, but her husband's going to be here to make it worse. And it turns out uh, he was kind of a source of comfort for her. And she just went uh, one of the better AR shooters you'll, you'll see. And she was just so happy and stunned. And I was like, well, I guess that's your house gun now. Because she was just killing it, so that kind of a weird thing. I didn't, ex- I never expected that to happen. Yeah, I, I did cost a dear friend of mine a Colt Gold Cup one time. <laughs> this is this is a story you must tell. He and his wife came uh, to. I had gotten the NRA basic pistol certificate, instructor certification. Was teaching one of the classes, and I just invited a few gun friends that I knew. Hey, I need to do a dry run on this class. So would you come do it? And uh, so he says, sure, and, I, and I'll bring bring my wife with me. And he shows up, and he's shooting a Colt Gold Cup, and she's shooting some <laughs> five-shot J-frame. And he probably bought her. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm going to make him pay for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make him pay, pay hard. And uh, I had a 1911 issued at the time. It wasn't my primary, but it belonged to the agency it was issued to me, and it was with me in the truck. And so I had a semi-automatic 22 with me as well. And so I taught her how to rack the slide on the, the semi-auto 22 and got her going. And then I had her picking up my 1911 and just running the slide. I said, do you think you can handle that 1911? She said, oh, yeah. So I handed her a mag. She puts it in, runs it, and shoots. We break for lunch. She goes down and starts loading mags and is down there while the rest of us are eating lunch. She's on the range shooting his Colt Gold Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and he called me when he got home. He said, you cost me a 1911. You cost me my Gold Cup. I said, what do you mean? He said, when we got home, I walked in with the bag and set it down on the bed and started to take the guns out. She reached in and got the Gold Cup, put it on her nightstand and said, this is mine now. <laughs> awesome. I love hearing that. <laughs> yeah, that's been a badge of pride ever since then. Mine is always when when the husband or the boyfriend sends the wife alone and he's actually smart enough to know that he shouldn't go because they've already had arguments, you know, or had domestics on the range. So then she goes home and they go out to shoot again 
And then two weeks or a month later, I see him in class too because he got embarrassed and he wants to know the secret. Now that that is that is the that is the uh, golden theme of the rainbow for me. Oh, yeah. We have a husband and wife deputy team, and they have a bet running bet each year that whoever gets the lowest score on the call has to sit with their back to the door until the next <laughs> year when they shoot their annual call. And like for uh, the she, year? For, oh, yeah, until the next year when they shoot their annual call. Oh, that's pressure. Oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, she actually listens and does your show. So he's on the second year in a row. He's sitting with his back to the door. I love it. And uh, you know, I was like, uh, and I know about the bet. So I'm like putting pressure on him and messing with him as a shooter. Like, oh man, she's got you already, man. You're already down five. I don't think you can do it, man. Are you gonna just just to mess with him? Oh, but, look, uh, cop cop stuff is fun. Yeah, he he's six seven three fifty. He can be messed with. Oh yeah, yeah. He can sit with his back to the door. Good cover. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I believe it was Bill Rogers' book that I read it in where he talked about having shooters shoot wearing a gas mask if they had a fear of the concussion of the gun going off and so you get them to shoot a 22 and then you put the gas mask on them and they don't feel the concussion of the gun and then it lessens the fear of it i've heard about that i would i I get about 80 percent females Mm -hmm. and i don't have a gas mask anymore Yeah, I was going to say, you got to have a gas mask. but I I had heard about that, and I thought, how would that go? So I brought it up to my wife, and she said, some people would run out of the room. No, don't do that. I said, well, we can explain it to them. So I haven't haven't tried that one yet, but I have heard that. And uh, I've heard about shooting under a table the first few times, and I'm like, "Mm." I've heard that one. Uh, I I thought that for solo students, that shooting a suppressed 22 would be a good idea. And so I have a suppressor and I put it on a 22 and, and I had a, a young lady telling me that that looked like an assassin's gun. <laughs> I wasn't gonna tell, okay. Well that defeats that plan right yeah. there. Right there. And some of this stuff is trial and error, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking it's cool. There'll be no noise. And yeah. Oh, well. Oh, my wife would have loved it, yeah. but, but yeah. she just used all my ammo and wouldn't clean the gun. <laughs> Well, that's what she's got you for. Exactly. She doesn't know how to clean a gun all of a sudden. She's like, remember that time you, you didn't do a very good job on the dishes and you thought you thought I didn't know them, what you were doing? Yeah, well, I'm, I can't clean guns either. So, yeah. all right, you win. Anything else on the phobias that you'd like to discuss? That's all I know. But if somebody out there has some cool stuff, please let me know at defensivetrainingservices.com. Send me a message if you don't know me or get a hold of Lee or something, because this can't be all this can't be all there is to it. There's got to be more out there. All right. Now, your agency, we're going to shift gears here for, for a few. Your agency has a new video training system. Is that correct? Yeah, it's called a virtuous stimulator. And it's a ours is a 300, which is, stands for 300 degrees. So it has five screens. They also have a 180, which has three screens. So like the old Milo and Fats that that we came up on was just a one screen kind of thing. This has all five screens and it goes way around you. And uh, we got that kind of kicked up and running. It took us a little while to get it installed and work out some of the bugs that computers, there's six computers involved, so there's always bugs. But it's been up and running and working really well now. 
and it's got multiple branches for each of 340 scenarios. And um, that is that has been really good. We're, we've been using it during my, like I'll do a one day de-escalation class for the academy. We added that. Well, I changed it from eight hours classroom to six hours classroom and two hours in the virtual, just seeing if they have good de-escalation skills. And most of the time, if they do, they don't get into a gunfight. Sometimes they still do because you can't really de-escalate people. You can only show them the way a little bit. So sometimes it doesn't go right. But then we can use it for, uh, we can obviously use it for firearms. I've got this really brilliant guy that works for me named Kevin Bezdechek. He knows the most about the system. And he actually took one of our targets and built our course into the machine so that you can shoot the our qualification course in the machine and it looks exactly like you're there take it's got the cleat target and you when you when you shoot one standing and go kneeling it actually changes the angle for you it's amazing it's just a really good system and i think we're getting a lot of good interleaving training out of it which i learned from i didn't give you any credit for the news though unfortunately you froze up as you gave me credit for having taught you about that of interleaving the interleaving skills that uh, the high fidelity training uh, learned that word interleaving from Lee. So I, I just didn't give you credit for it when I, when I tell people that now. So I have to, I, have to, I don't think I've ever given you credit for that. I've been talking about it a lot. I probably should go back and fix that. Oh, well, it's all right. I'll make it up to you. Well, I didn't invent interleaving. I just told you about it. I just learned about it. So yeah, it's that high fidelity training that we can, that we can kind of do as we go, you know, that block and silo training we've known for how long, 10, eight, 10 years, that that's not the best way to do things that block blocks of training in silos, isolated from the other stuff. It's not the best way to do those things. So we can take this and just a little bit at a time, like we can have the legal block and the firearms block, and we can do some scenarios that are, that are, that touch on both those. And then we can start just keep adding it as we're doing the simulator to the defensive tactics stuff, to OC, to taser, uh, rifles and pistols and all that kind of stuff. We can do all that and just kind of do it a little bit at a time so that they're getting that high fidelity training, having to make those decisions under stress. And uh, we're, we're really seeing seeing the guys get better with it. I, I came out of there feeling like I was better uh, just after shooting the, the qualification course. I got a really good group when I went out and called after that. It was really cool. What is the gun that you use on this? Is it like a CO2 gun or? Yeah, it's a big old canister of CO2 that came with it. And we went and rented another one so we would never run out. And it's got a little nozzle on it. And the magazines actually come out of the gun, out of the Glock 17s. We have to have a, have to have a Glock 17, take the guts out and put the good stuff in there. And then you just push the magazines onto this nipple and fills it up. And you actually have to rack the slide. To get it to get it going, so if somebody forgets to rack the slide, they'll they'll not be able to shoot when they need to. And, um, and of course, we have extra magazines. The same thing with an AR-15. You got to have an actual AR-15. You got to have an actual taser. And it's just the cartridge that's different on it that shoots the laser out. Um, now the OC is a self-contained unit. The OC can is self-contained. But yeah, the CO2 is cheap. We haven't gone through it. Uh, we haven't gone through a full a full can yet, and We've been using it. Cool. I, I definitely believe you'll get better results in teaching your, you like the use of force concepts 
and stuff when you can teach them in a practical manner versus just I'm telling you what they are. You tell them back to me, either written form or here. You answer these questions on a test right after I told you. Yeah, what they are. You studied them in a, you know, in a manual. Right. Versus the practical application of putting them into play and having to actually make those decisions. I believe everything we know about learning is you're going to get superior results with the practical application. Absolutely. And we're, you know, we've always done some, some hands-on stuff. We will do, we gave them an extra day with the SWAT team in the Academy. We used to give them a day to do active shooter and building clearing. So um, that wasn't really working as well as we wanted it to. So we give them another day, two weeks later, and then we add simunitions into that. And then we do some simunition training. And that's all in addition. This is all in addition to, we're not replacing anything. We're just adding to it to try to give them one more layer. But, you know, if you think about, you know, standing around and waiting for your time to come do your, to do your scenario on a simulation deal, that's a lot of wasted time. This thing, we can have them all in the same room and they can all be learning from each other and keep changing the scenarios up and change the scenario, the uh, decisions up. So what was it that for science said most academies, you make five or 10 under stress decisions during the entire academy but we're looking to have 40 50 i don't i don't even know how far how high we can go with it we're, we're just getting a lot more reps out of it a lot faster and everybody can learn from everybody else because we got a camera we put in there that feeds into the classroom so even if we can't fit everybody in there they can still watch and listen from the other room so it's just going really well we're real excited about it is your academy just for your agency or is this a regional academy we we went to regional. We uh, had to we had to ask permission to have an academy period. They had to come up and do an inspection, and then we had to request to be able to do outside okay. agencies, and not just contiguous agencies. Actual anybody that is from is from the state of Oklahoma can come to our academy, and that's kind of where where it's it's going with Oklahoma. The the academy in Ada is great. The folks in there are great. But it's a big state, and a lot of folks haven't drive from the Panhandle down there. That's a that's a struggle for them. Whereas they could just come to us, and we're several hours, we're four or five hours closer than than uh, Ada is, and then we we can just take anybody in. And then I also made my uh, the lieutenant that's under me. I made him go through, and he can not only instruct, he can certify instructors for the state. And that was a tough class too. That uh, that had a forty percent washout wow. on that class. So you might we take our we take our take our teaching pretty seriously in, in law enforcement in Oklahoma. Cool, George's instructor program. If you go through it at the state training center, is getting close to a fifty percent washout rate. But there's other ways to get it to get the instructor certification. And the problem is that there's so many people that go that go through the class but never actually finish up the certification process. And then when we've got probably less than nothing, somebody did a study on it recently and like less than 10% or something like that of the actual certified instructors in the state teach a class each year. Yep. Yeah. And we, we have that problem on occasion too, where we've had people that gone through a long time ago and we, you know, we're using them quite a bit for the Academy, but it's generally the same group of folks that are, that are good at certain things. So this last time when, um, when that lieutenant had to do his teach back, they, Cleet actually had to come up and sit through his class and 
make sure he was doing it correctly before they would give him his certificate, teaching other instructors, certifying other instructors. And um, I'm, he, I'll just start where I was going with that. I hate when that happens. It comes with the gray hair. It does. It does. I never come on camera before, though. I must be getting comfortable. <laughs> must be getting comfortable, though. comfortable enough to forget and go get old. Uh, yeah, it'll call. I forgot. You'll, th- you'll think about it right after we stop the recording. Right after we should, yep. <laughs> right after we stop. Anything else you'd like to discuss tonight? I don't think so. I just really want to get that information out there and hopefully help somebody and mostly hope somebody can chime in and give us some more stuff to steal. All right. Could you tell everybody again how to get in touch with you and anything you've got coming up? Um, Warren Wilson with the Enid Police Department. I'm the captain over training. My private company is DefensiveTrainingServices.com. I did not mean to plagiarize that from Tom's company. <laughs> Just kind of happened. And I'll be at, in June, let me see, in September, I will be at the Active Self-Protection Conference teaching gang recognition and maybe something else if they can squeeze it in there. All righty. Well, audience, if you have information on phobic shooters or you have some questions about anything that was said tonight, you should now know how to contact Warren. So feel free to reach out to him or send something to me. We would both like to uh, learn more tips and stuff of the trade on how to deal with such situations. And, you know, one of the things, well, the main things I want this podcast to be for is a repository of the history of evolution of firearms training and then for the improvement of the art and science of firearms training. Uh, Upcoming episodes are coming. Uh, We'll be interviewing Ed Monk next week on active shooter response. Uh, Ed is a West Point graduate who has done a lot of study uh, on, on that topic and has some really good information and and it's kind of timely um unfortunately and then we're going to go back through i've got a series of uh some gen one gunsight guys that want to do some some episodes and record some history so buckle buckle your seatbelts up because we've got some really good stuff coming and i've got a bunch of people that have reached out that want to do a round robin episode so we'll, we'll, we're going to go back to that format and mix those in with some of the other stuff because that seems to be really fun for the audience we're getting a lot of really good feedback on that and people want to participate play along and uh, i'm enjoying it because it's easy for me <laughs> 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 it's easy i just send out an email and like yeah whoever shows up and gets there uh we'll just record whoever's there when i hit the start button pretty much uh, yeah and that's and it's, it's just a really easy way to do the episodes so um but for the audience, we know that your most important asset is your time. And oh, before I thank you for spending your time with us, I haven't mentioned in the last few episodes. Go on Facebook, search for That Weems Guy. There is a group that we have that is dedicated to discussion of the episodes and follow up and just chit chat with the uh, other people who are guests on the show and other fans of the show. And so with that, thank you for your time.